0: Now say now you're tuned into the wake up and win podcast and I am your host Devon Pouncy. I am here in the city of Portland, Oregon, right at the crib recording live for you. And um, I'll be honest with y'all. I'm skipping wind shares today. I'm skipping, you know, my intro where I get to have fun talking about things that are upcoming, things that I have going on, things that I'm doing because I want to get straight to it today. I'm eager to get behind this microphone. You see I'm doing it from home before I can even go ahead and get to the studio. So here we are. Y'all know what we're starting with. None other than that of John ja Morant. John ja Morant was caught for a second time on Instagram Live, um, flashing a gun, waving a gun, playing with a gun, whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, this time he happened to be on his friend's IG Live. He obviously was on it just a couple months ago, if that, on his own IG live from a strip club in Denver, Colorado. And he served an eight game suspension. It was big news. Um, I considered it to be right here on this podcast sort of a slap on the wrist. And I also was one of those people that was skeptical about John ja Morant moving forward from that incident, but attempted to be optimistic. Because I tend to be that way when it comes to young Black men. Um, As a Black man and as Black media myself, I am going to start this episode today by leading with love with John Morant. Um, There's more than enough people out there palling on him in the media and beyond. And I think he understands why. It's hard to particularly come to his defense in regards to why it is that people are palling on to him. But... I want to lead with love. I hope he goes and he gets the help necessary as I felt that there was still more help needed at the time that all this took place, but again, try to be optimistic and give him the benefit of the doubt as a young African-American man and athlete because far too often, we don't have folks out there in society that tends to extend that grace to us. I can identify with that. So I'm leading with love today, but Ja obviously messed up. He messed up big time. Um, there's a, He's suspended from all activities by the Memphis Grizzlies as they continue to sort of investigate and, and, and find out more details. Ja Morant has come out with a statement since then. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically came out with the statement um, saying that he was accountable for his actions. He understands that His words may not mean much right now, especially with this being on the heels of just being suspended for the same incident just a couple of months ago. And by the way, for those of you that listened to the episode last day, last episode or two episodes, when we were talking about the Dylan Brooks situation, Woj was the one that reported the statement from John Morant. It wasn't Shams. And I told y'all on that episode when we were talking about Shams and him reporting about what the Grizzlies were saying about Dylan Brooks and how they were parting ways with him and there was no chance for him to be able to come back to the team, yada, yada, yada. And I told y'all, Shams is not the Grizzlies guy when it comes to reports like that or any other reports, and that Woj was. So the fact that this Ja Morant statement came through Woj, which I'm not knocking the credibility of Shams, but I just know how things kind of work and kind of operate in some of these organizations in the NBA. I use Chris Haynes as an example for the Portland Trailblazers organization, who's obviously now a national media member, but was once a local media member here in Portland. So he's got a lot of ties and connections to the organization. He's great friends with that of Damian Lillard and, so when you hear Portland Trailblazer news being reported by that of Chris Haynes, you just take it a little bit more seriously than you would if it was any other national reporter. Again, not knocking their credibility, but just knowing the ties and the insight and and the connections that he has within the Blazers organization, that if Chris Haynes reports it, you put a little bit more stock into it. The same goes with Woj when it comes to the Grizzlies, as I explained to y'all on that particular episode. And Woj was the one that obviously reported this Jabarant statement that I'm I'm referring to here. But I want to not so much get after Ja here today, even though some of the points that I make will be critical of Ja's actions, and I'm not shying away from that because Ja obviously made another mistake. He made a repeated mistake and whatever the consequences are that the league decides to implement towards Ja Morant's future. And obviously that being a suspension and how lengthy and how long that's going to be, Ja's just going to kind of have to deal with that. I I would assume he's aware of that. Um, And I don't see how anybody else wouldn't be aware of that being that He just did the same thing again, less than two months after being suspended for doing what he did, waving a gun on Instagram live. This time it just happened to be on his friend's Instagram live, but there's a lot of conversations and narratives surrounding this John Morant incident that I want to touch on. The first one is the two way folks, the second amendment folks, um, there's a particular group of folks out there that are defending John Morant based on his Second Amendment right to have a gun. Now, I do think it needs to be noted that a sector of those 2A supporters also lack the ability to support common sense gun laws, which means there's a chance that they're only supporting John in this instance because he, in a way, is supporting the genocide of his own people. When he acts like this or when he goes and waves guns on Instagram live with NBA young boy playing in the background, I don't think they particularly care about John ja Morant and his right to have a gun as much as they care about why or how John ja Morant is a using the gun if he indeed is using the gun or why and how it is that John ja Morant is promoting guns If you're one of those people that do not support common sense gun laws, I don't particularly care about why it is that you support Ja Morant now in this instance, because I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to that. And I hope Ja is aware that as he's hearing the narratives that's going on out there and there's folks that I think are being very misleading and, and, and quite frankly disingenuous in their support of Ja Morant in trying to say that he shouldn't get a penalty. He's not breaking any laws and they're supporting him because he and his actions supports their narrative rather than them supporting him because they actually care about him, who he is, what he identifies as who it is that he's a role model to and what it is that he's representing when he does the things that he does like waving a gun on Instagram live. So those people I just want to acknowledge I think are out there and they do exist. And I hope that John Morant isn't being inundated with support from those people. And it's getting to his head as he kind of navigates through all of this, which he's obviously going to have to continue to do for quite some time as he is currently suspended by the Grizzlies. And I'm sure we'll get. A, a lengthy suspension, especially more than eight games by that of the NBA, whenever it is that they decide to make that decision. Now, there are others that are coming to the support and defense of John Morant because he is a young African American male who technically hasn't committed a crime or broken the law, but they feel that he's being treated as such because there's folks out there calling for the lengthy suspensions and calling for whatever punishment that John Moran is going to get. And they feel like he shouldn't get this lengthy suspension because he didn't break the law. And these people actually, I do believe, care about John Moran. I think a prime example of that, if we're being straightforward, is J.J. Redick. He had a clip that circulated big time today where, He talked about, you know, people that are that are attacking John Morant for his actions as a basketball player and calling for him to be suspended from his job, but are particularly calling for the Greg Abbott's of the world or politicians in Tennessee who are supporting. Their Second Amendment rights and taking gun, taking pictures with their families with guns and rifles, especially in today's social climate, where we're dealing with a lot of these mass shootings, um, and a lot of these tragedy, tra- uh, tragedies, excuse me, and, and a lot of these issues when it comes to gun laws and gun control here in the United States. Again, I more so like to call them common sense gun laws, and I'm also somebody I've been on. International news time and again discussing common sense gun laws in America, discussing how a lot of these mass shootings that are taking place in America coming off of a year where we had a record number of mass shootings in this here country tend to be initiated by that of white supremacists, so on and so forth. So I understand the sentiment and I think the intention, the intention is well in regards to wanting to support John ja Morant when it comes to him and the issues that he's having with guns in comparison to people that many would deem should be taken more serious in society like that of politicians, especially when we have the climate that we currently have when it comes to mass shootings and gun control or lack thereof in this here country right now today. So while I think the intention of JJ Reddick was very well, and I am glad that he raised that point, Cause I think, I think the point is worth us thinking about and considering and thinking through. I also think that there's a side of the conversation that JJ Reddick absolutely missed. And that side of the conversation is ethics. There's laws. John ja Morant probably hasn't broken any laws. But there's also ethics. And what John ja Morant is doing, playing around and waving guns on Instagram Live, quite frankly, it's unethical. Especially when it comes to the league that is the NBA that he is playing for. And one of those realities of him being unethical is if you go to the NBA's website, you can go directly to NBA.com and you can look up, you can go to the about us page and I'm going to go do it right here, live on the podcast. I'm going to go to the about us page of NBA.com and it talks about what the NBA is all about. And it reads at the About Us section. I'll get into the mission and values next. At the NBA, we're passionate about growing and celebrating the game of basketball through the intensity of the game and the amazing athletic skill of our players. We deliver excitement to hundreds of millions of fans around the world. As a global sports and media business, the NBA is so much more. While basketball operations run the league's on-court activities, other departments manage relationships with television and digital media partners, developing marketing partnerships with some of the world's most recognizable companies, oversee the licensing of NBA merchandise, and handle a wide range of responsibilities that drive the NBA success. I'm going to pause there. There's still another paragraph, but I'm going to pause there. Because, again, it acknowledges that the NBA is not just a global sports business, but it's a, it's a global sports and media business. So let's just discuss one of those partnerships that I alluded to. And let's just say ESPN, the very platform that J.J. Reddick works for, Stephen A. Smith works for, so on and so forth. We can use ESPN as an example, who happens to be owned by Disney, which if you think that Disney is going to be okay with employees in a company that it partners with waving guns on social media with NBA young boy playing in the background, you're absolutely playing yourself. You just are. Because quite frankly, that ain't their target audience. That's unethical for them and who their audience is and what Disney is all about. And we know how significant these broadcast partnerships with the NBA are when it comes to the amount of money that the employees, especially the NBA players in particular, make. John Moran is on his way. He's already signed an extension worth nearly 200 million dollars. So yeah, while John Morant might not have breaking a law, him waving a gun on social media, pointing it towards his head, and we all know how dangerous that can be. It's unethical, especially when it comes to the entity that he works for and that he's an employee of and who it is that they partner with. Let's just be real about it. I've never seen, first off, I've never seen Disney promote or condone the use of real weapons, which is what John Moran is promoting when he's going on Instagram Live with these guns. I, I've never seen it. Maybe cartoon weapons, but not real weapons. Also, to be quite honest with you, have never heard an NBA Young Boy song on an ESPN or Disney Channel promo clip. And I'm speaking to y'all as somebody who not only is an ESPN consumer, but also I work on ESPN+. Plus. I do broadcasts at Portland State on ESPN+. Plus. Check the tapes. I see and hear the spots and the promos and the commercials every media timeout when I'm live on air. So while, yes, I understand J.J. Reddick's sentiment in trying to compare John Morant to that of politicians who promote these things to their bases and to their audiences that support these uncommon gun laws or these uncommon sense gun laws, if you will, that ain't the game John Morant is playing. And we can't mislead young people into thinking that, oh, well, because the politicians are promoting uh, guns and things of the like. Why is it that John Morant should be treated harsher in his field of work than they are in their field of work? Well, because the base that voted for them to be in those positions in their field of work support those same uncommon sense gun laws that they do, which is why they out here acting fool like they're acting. Is it backwards? Yeah. Our country is backwards. You want to dig in all the other reasons why the United States of America is ass backwards? Because we can dig into that. We do it often here on this very podcast. But John Morant can't be held to that same standard. In contrary, it's the same way that you have people that feel like doctors and teachers and lawyers or firefighters or essential workers, if you will. Should be getting paid more money because the importance and the significance of their job than that of professional athletes. JJ Reddick, which you've been the beneficiary of, and even now working for ESPN, working at Disney, you're the be- you're the beneficiary of what I'm sure is a pretty significant check. Same with Stephen A. Smith of a pre- a pretty significant check that's worth more than most essential workers get in this country. But I'm not here blaming you for that. It's the market that dictates that. So you can't be mad when the market also dictates John Morant can't be out here waving guns on Instagram live while he's being able to sign $200 million deals. And these other markets don't quite call for that in their job fields because of whatever reason it doesn't. Why the market doesn't dictate that in, in Texas, why the Texas market doesn't dictate that because they have open carry laws and all of these other things. It just kind of is what it is. You got to accept the good with the bad, the pros with the cons. So being selective in that manner, you got to be careful with that because I'm seeing this clip circulating float around and I'm like, I appreciate you, J.J., because I can clearly see your intentions are well for this young African-American man. And as an African-American man myself, I understand how hard that can be for us to get people that ain't skin folk. To. Give us that grace that you're giving John Morant. So I appreciate the intent, but I don't want folks to be misled solely off the intent because reality matters. And again, law, yes, the law is a thing, but ethics are a thing also. And what John Morant did just is not quite ethical, especially in the eyes of his employers and who it is that he works for and who it is that they partner with. So you got to understand both sides of the game. Yeah, he didn't break the law. I don't want to see, I'm glad he didn't. I don't want to see him go to jail. But I'd be lying if I sat here and said that what John Morant John Morant has done twice now was ethical because it wasn't. It just wasn't. So again, I'm I'm hoping and wishing the best for John Morant because, I mean, like I said, I I, I support the dude. I, I I think he's a good guy. I don't know it personally to be able to sit here and say whether he is or not. But then let's stick with it, sticking to the NBA here. That was just the About Us section. Oh, I didn't even get to the last paragraph of the About Us section where it says, Off the court, we are also deeply committed to social responsibility. NBA Cares leads the league's involvement in addressing important social issues by working with internationally recognized youth-serving organizations that support education, youth and family development, and health-related causes. But that first sentence is what's glaring to me in this one. Off the court, we are also deeply committed to social responsibilities. Do y'all think what John Morant has been doing on Instagram Live has been socially responsible? Because quite frankly, I think it was socially irresponsible. Again, when you consider today's social climate regarding guns, and when you also consider the danger and the risk taken by playing with the gun pointed towards his own head for some IG clout, do y'all know how tragically that could have ended One wrong click of a button, one one accidental pull of a trigger, one slip of a of an, of a, anything. <laughs> that could have ended really really bad live on Instagram. It just was not socially responsible. And that's what this league is all about. It says it in the about us section. Again, I'm glad the worst didn't happen. But also, you've done this more than once. There's a problem there. We might be able to dismiss it and give you a slap on the wrist the first time. But to do it again, so close to the first time that you did it and received that slap on the wrist penalty, there's a problem there. It was socially irresponsible what he did, yo that has to be acknowledged now let's go to the mission and values and i'm not even going to read to y'all all four values i'm only going to read the first value the mission is is very short and sweet inspire and connect people everywhere through the power of basketball there's four values though the first value is lead with integrity and it reads we do the right thing we are honest Ethical, 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 there goes that word again, and fair. Leading by example in sports, culture, and society. Do y'all consider John Morant waving guns on Instagram live, leading by example in any of those things? is that behavior leading by example in sports culture and or society? Cuz if you do, conversation is over between you and I in regards to this incident. <laughs> like there's nothing more for us to talk about here. <laughs> Cuz there's nothing that you can say to get me to believe that John ja Morant was leading by example in an ethical way when it comes to sports, culture, And society here. There's just nothing there. So again, I'm not here to bash John Morant. He's going to get that more than enough. In a lot of ways, deservedly so. But I do want us to be clear. When we start bringing law into the conversation and when we start bringing politics into the conversation... We have to know how to do that and when to do that. And quite frankly, this just wasn't the time to do that. Him being suspended by the NBA is not him losing his freedom. If he was losing his freedom and on his way to going to jail, yes, bring in the 2 a amendment conversations. Yes, let's talk about how he didn't actually break the law. Because I damn sure don't wish jail on John Morant. But him being suspended from some basketball games for a company that has a partnership with Disney, <laughs> which ESPN is owned by, <laughs> it's not the same. And we can't act like it's the same. And again, we also have to understand law and ethics and what that actually means and how his actions were en- were unethical. They didn't break the law, but they were indeed unethical. And clearly the NBA expresses Ethics in their mission and in their values. You can't just skip over that when it comes to any organization. Like, that's one of the most important things that you need to know. If you're, especially if you're employed by an organization, what's the organization's mission? What is the organization all about? And what is the organization's values? Because if I can't abide by those things, I probably shouldn't work for this organization. just don't work for him. (laughs) That's not his freedom being taken away. If his freedom was being taken away again, then we could be having a conversation about the law here. It's not the case right now. He's had some, he's displayed some unethical behaviors and he's got to deal with the consequences of that from his employer. It's that simple. Now there's another narrative that I want to address as well, That I've not only heard since this whole incident has come up, obviously, again with John Morant, but I also hear it sometimes as I'm in college gyms in regards to the music that gets played during warmups, during timeouts. And I'm talking about like live at these events, the music that gets played. And obviously, that's being brought up here with John ja Morant because a lot of people feels like he's being influenced by that of NBA Young Boy, who obviously is his favorite rapper, and it's always that blasting. It is not when I say that NBA Young Boy music blasting in the background whenever it is that he decides to wave these guns on Instagram live, and essentially. A lot of these leagues, and again, I hear it at the college level. Obviously, right now with this John ja Morant situation, we're hearing it at the at the NBA level. Um, how hypocritical it is to be playing. NBA Young Boy records at the games, especially when it comes to the messages that, that come along with these songs. And again, in this situation, the influence and impact that it has on John Morant's actions in particular that the NBA is actually suspending John Morant for. Um, and let me be the first to say that as long as the clean version of the records are being played at these events live, I 100% support it because although I'm not oblivious to the influence that some of these records may have on these athletes, especially, like I said, in this case, John Morant, I'm not oblivious to that. It still isn't the real thing. And the way that I look at the music is basically as rhythmic metaphors, which are figurative, but they aren't literal. Literal is the actual action taking place. And again, I'm not saying that sometimes we don't have music that tells the story of some real shit that is taking place. I'm not saying that. I understand that and I'm aware of that. But I don't want just the music to be what criminalizes a person, if you will, and you need to have some hard proof of some actual action taking place before I decide to go on and criminalize, or in this case, punish a person or suspend a person or whatever the case may be. I'm not blaming solely the music for that. There has to be more hard evidence to go along with the music for me to actually make a move in punishing a person, however that punishment may look. I, again, I look at music as basically rhythmic metaphors. They're, fig, they're figurative. They're not literal. And quite frankly, as a broadcaster at a lot of these games on air, I use a lot of metaphors. For example, say somebody gets dunked on and I get excited on air and I talk about how the person who actually dunked on somebody caught a body. Well, in the streets... Catching a body usually means somebody got killed. (laughs) Like, let's just be honest. (laughs) But if somebody gets dunked on, like, they got body. They caught a body. Y'all know I'm not talking about somebody literally getting killed because you can see the action. The action is me being figurative about a dunk that took place at a basketball game. I don't want that freedom to be taken away from me to be able to use some of these metaphors. Again, I think you still be selective and picky and choosy with with what metaphors you use at your own discretion, especially if you want to keep a job. But if I'm not going overboard with the metaphors and I feel like I'm staying within the confines of being able to keep my job when I use these metaphors, I don't want that to start being taken away from me. Because you can clearly see that I'm referring to a basketball game or a basketball play and somebody getting dunked on and I'm not referring to, and there's no confusion of me referring to somebody really getting bodied out here in these streets and a human life being taken. So I support the music being played at the games. When it goes too far is when the human acts on it. It ain't the actual music being played that goes too far for me, which is the same reason just last year we saw rappers like Too Short and E-40 in the state of California join Governor Gavin Newsom to sign the Decriminalization Artistic Expression Act, which was to limit the use of rap lyrics in criminal proceedings because it's art. And it ain't the real thing. And I wholeheartedly supported and advocated for what it is that E40 and Too Short advocated for. And I was glad that Governor Newsom signed that bill. Because far too often, there's a particular demographic that gets targeted based on their lyrics when we go to court, more so than other demographics who have some pretty intense lyrics as well in their music. But if it's just music and it's just art, nah, I'm not standing for that being what can be used to my detriment or to an artist's detriment because they said something on a rap song. Nah, I need harder proof than that. Again, especially if it's the clean version. I can't cuss when I'm on ESPN+. Plus. So I can clean the metaphors up and make it work. I'm not going to sit here and listen to y'all say, oh, the NBA is hypocritical or these universities are hypocritical because they play the music at the games. Man, the music is clean. Now, if they was playing the explicit version, I'd be like, all right, they got to chill a little bit. You know, it's kids that are at these events. But man, if they playing the clean version, man, it's just art. It's when people act on the art and actually do the real thing. Like John ja Morant pulled out a real gun on Instagram Live, is when it gets taken too far. I don't give a damn that John ja Morant listens to the art and that he listens to NBA Young Boy, but I do give a damn that he allows NBA Young Boy to influence him enough to pull out a gun on Instagram Live. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And again, I'm not trying to shit on John Morant today. I'm just shitting on some of these whack-ass narratives that I'm hearing out there that I believe could be more to the detriment, even if the intentions are good, it could actually be more to the detriment of our people. I want us to know what we can and can't get away with. I want us to know the difference between law and ethics rather than going into a situation and saying, well, I didn't break the law, so I should be able to keep my job. It ain't how it goes. I want folks to be able to stay employed because they understand missions and values and ethics and how that isn't the law and how that still can infect and impact your livelihood when you act unethical. It's got to be understood, man. It's got to be understood. So, again, my well wishes to John Morant. I hope he gets all the help that he can get. He obviously needs the help. And, and again, I was skeptical about it when it happened a couple months ago, especially going into the postseason. Obviously, they had a very unsuccessful postseason, eliminated by a really good seven seed in the Los Angeles Lakers, who's still playing – in the Western Conference Finals right now, but still eliminated nonetheless as a two seed by a seven seed. And the fact that this is so close in proximity from a timing standpoint to them being eliminated and all the drama that surrounded them being eliminated, I particularly said that back a couple months ago when we talked about the first John Morant gun incident on Instagram Live. I said, man, eight games, I know the NBA wants the guy to get back out there on the floor and they want to see him play and it'll be good for the game to have a a spectacular talent like him on the floor, but I don't know, man, because it seems that based on all the other alleged gun incidents that his name is a part of, that he's got a real problem when it comes to this gun stuff. And that'll be leveraged and used against you in these arenas, in the playoffs especially. That's when the fans really show their ass. And who's to say that that didn't happen? He might not have come out out publicly and said that that didn't happen, but who's to say that that didn't happen and that didn't lead to him spiraling back into this place where he decides to do it all over again. This time it was on his friend's IG live, but he knew his friend was lying. Went dancing on the live with his friend and then went to go pull the gun out. (laughs) The friend dropped that phone so fast like a hot potato. But it was too late by then. It was already captured. It was already caught. So again, man, I hope he go gets the real help that he needs and not the PR help that he got so that we can see him back on the court playing basketball again. And again, I wanted to see him back on the court playing basketball. I was glad to see him back on the court playing basketball. But I also was very, very skeptical of the the swift turnaround of him being back on the floor, knowing that. Knowing a how capitalism works, B, how significant that he is when it comes to the postseason in the NBA, because he's one of the top players in the world. And it felt like that was the priority over his actual well-being. And now I'm doubling down on that because he doubled down on putting a gun on IG Live again. So my prayers are winning, my well-wishes are winning. I hope the best for him. I hope to see him back in the NBA uniform one day again. I obviously don't know how lengthy this suspension is going to be, especially that he's currently in his offseason right now. So I'm sure the league is going to take that time with a decision. And I'm sure he's going to miss more than eight games this time around once next season starts but I don't think he's a bad dude. Again, I don't know him well enough to say whether he is or not, but like this isn't what's making me seem like he's a, what's making me think he's a bad dude. I just think he got a problem that he hasn't got the proper help for. So I hope he goes and gets that proper help. Now I'm a segue out of basketball. Even I'll probably get back to basketball and, talk a little bit about what's going on so far in the conference finals. Um, obviously Denver up 1-0, Miami up 1-0 in the Eastern conference finals. I'll talk a little bit about that shortly, but I do want to follow up on something that we've kind of been talking about here on this podcast. And that is Jamie Fox. Um, y'all know how I feel about him and his talent. Um, and the last time that we came on this podcast There had been reports saying that, you know, the family was still hopeful for him to have a full recovery, but they were also preparing for the worst. Um, Well, since then. Let's just start with this. Rap TV was the first to report that about Jamie Foxx, that his family was uh, hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst, essentially. Um, I saw it on other platforms because, I, let me be clear, I did see the report on Rap TV, but Rap TV also isn't the platform that I would deem to be credible enough to make me come on this podcast and say, well, Rap TV first reported. I, ha- I saw some other credible platforms who didn't report it first like Rap TV did, but they did indeed report that Same thing that Rap TV reported. Obviously, they apparently got it from Rap TV. um, But it since has come out that basically that was fake news. He's in Chicago recovering. Um, He's got his family by his side. And and things seem to be on the upward trajectory. He's no longer in the hospital. But there's a comedian named Kev on stage. uh, Very popular. And he does these Instagram skits. And he did one in particular about Rap TV. And... I want to go ahead and talk about it real quick, and I'm going to go ahead and play the skit for you um, because I think it's a significant skit. First and foremost, it addresses um, some problems that I directly try to tackle, but it also addresses some other problems as well first of all i'm sad that jamie Foxx's
1: daughter corinne had to even refute this rap tv post that said the family was reportedly preparing for the worst i'm glad that she said that jamie's been out of the hospital for weeks and recuperating even playing pickleball but i'm mad that rap tv even got this rumor started so i asked myself who is rap tv because they make all these posts about black people hip-hop communities this and that who are these people that they could get a rumor going like this that she had to refute and look who owns rap tv does this look like the person you thought owned Rap TV? Didn't look like it to me. Who else works at Rap TV? Let's just take a look. I went down to the LinkedIn. I said, well, who's over here? Who's who's in charge of the post? Well, look who we got here. Look at the head of content. Look at Griffin From. Wow, he's, he's the head of content for Rap TV. Look at Jordan Mordini. He's the head of music partnerships at Rap TV. Look at Logan Stout, operations manager at Rap TV. Look at Tyler Perry. That ain't the Tyler Perry I thought would be associated with Rap TV. Why are people who look like this whole business Rap TV? Look at their Instagram. Look at their posts. Look at the faces of the people on the posts. Look who they create stories about. Look how many followers they got just on Instagram. 10 million just on Instagram. On Twitter, they go viral all the time. They are apparently, according to them, the biggest hip-hop community in the world. Daniel Snow's been a proven expert that's launched... Viral e-commerce brands himself over the course of three and a half years, generating close to 50 million dollars in revenue off of who off of what? These are the people behind rap TV. And I'm not saying rap is only for black people and black culture, but they're creating stories that are false. Got the actual family of Jamie Foxx saying, oh, man, we, this ain't even true. Who was starting these rumors? And look who it is. Now, I love Jamie Foxx. You know, I'm scared for him, praying for him, but I'm waiting for the family to say he's okay. But every day we got to deal with rumors like this and then Rap TV going post her post and act like they aren't the ones that she's responding to because it's just content to them. It don't matter what happens, who gets mad. None of that stuff. It's just content for them. They use that content to get brand deals and partnerships because we follow them and we click on them and they profit off a culture they didn't create. They benefit from it. And their top 10, 15 people on their LinkedIn, I don't see nobody who looks like a rapper.
0: Come on. Now, I I will say, obviously, you get the message from that video, um, especially when it comes to rap and rap tv who it is that they cover and who it is that the people that run that platform don't look like and what they don't look like is the people that they cover funny story though because i'm not going to say any names but you can go to the post and you can see exactly who it is that i'm talking about if you indeed decide to do so but The part where he went to the LinkedIn list and he showed like all the people that were a part of rap TV and there was a bunch of like white faces on the profile pictures. Right. There was one particular name on there that. To the semi defense of rap TV, I can vouch. Is not a white person. For starters. But you wouldn't have been able to tell on the LinkedIn profile because their LinkedIn profile picture was not a picture of themselves or no person. It was like some kind of graphic that they had on their profile picture. But their name was up there. But all the other folks that were a part of Rap TV and creating Rap TV and employed at Rap TV, so on and so forth, they all like had their actual faces on their pictures on there, and it was all white people. But the one person that wasn't white, I can vouch and say that they just didn't have their profile picture up. But because I'm out here and I'm in these streets and I be DJing, I've actually had interactions and met this person. And to be fair to them, let me lead with love. From the interactions that we've had, which have been several at this point, they seem like a pretty cool guy. Like and It's always been pleasurable interactions between myself and them. Um, we've had conversations about hip hop and music. Um, I, again, they, they they frequent the city of Portland a lot. Um, we've got some mutual friends, so on and so forth. Like, I'm not here to particularly like shit on this person, but I must say, based on the conversations that we've had, and based on people that they know that have had some success in the hip hop rap industry that are from where I'm from. This person did lack significant street knowledge, if you will, about said people that we mutually know who I'm assuming they met through the industry. And for me, I met these people in the streets because we came up in the same streets. We grew up under the same culture and they just so happened to pop off and make it big and have some success in the rap industry. (laughs) So I've definitely had to sort of game that particular person up, if you will, about some things about the mutual people that he claims we both know. I know. I know these people because I grew up with these particular people he claims he knows these people again because he met them wherever he met them or however he met them through this industry stuff. So there were some questions that he had for me and some answers that I gave to him that he was not particularly aware of. And I'm not saying that he isn't culturally competent. I'm not saying that he's a culture vulture, I'm not saying any of those things, but what I am saying is the conversation we had definitely made it seem like, or some of the conversations we've had definitely made it seem like he's kind of more in alignment with the business aspect of the culture rather than the intricacies and again, the background and what it is that we go through and that we come from within the culture that just so happened to lead to some people having some success on more of a mass level. And so that's all I'll say about that. But as far as everything else that Kev on stage said, again, that's the battle I fight as a journalist. It's one of the reasons that I am a journalist because I just so happen to be somebody that, again, I, I've been around a lot, um, but I also have been privy in, in some ways because I earned it, in a lot of ways, in most ways because I've earned it, to be in places and spaces and to be able to enter indoors that a lot of people that I grew up with or came up around just have not been able to enter. And it's very, very noticeable when I enter these doors that there's not many people that I can identify with in these particular rooms of the doors that I enter. So with that, I definitely have sort of a responsibility to me and my people and to me and my culture and to who it is that I represent and to who and what it is that I identify as to do the work that I do as a journalist and be able to be fair to my people and to my culture, because more often than not, that just doesn't happen. Whether it's intentional or not, it's just a disconnect because the identities don't match. And when you have an identity disconnect, and then, then like everything else that comes to follow will be looked at with skepticism. And then the trust. Lacks tremendously when it comes to journalism and subject matter, if you will, so on and so forth, similar to what Kev on stage is alluding to right now. It's like Jamie Foxx is one of our biggest black stars ever in entertainment. And the fact that such significant news is coming out about Jamie Foxx from these folks, that's a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's a problem. So Again, that's the fight that I fight. I-, I love what I do. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love what I do as a journalist. Like, I like broadcasting, I like writing, I like podcasting like I love what I do as a trade as a profession it's interesting to me um I'm always learning I'm constantly evolving like I love so many aspects of the of what it is that I do obviously there's some shitty parts to what I do as well but you always got to take the good with the bad but the fact that I like my work and what it is that I do goes a long way for me I got enough hustle in me to figure out the other aspects that are not so great about the industry that I'm in. But yeah, like I also, again, in a lot of these places and spaces that I'm in, I look left, I look right, I look forward, I look backward. And it's just not a lot of people that identify with me and who I am and what it is that I identify with and who I know. So instead of me being discouraged by that, I'm encouraged by the fact that I'm a necessity in this space. I'm needed in this space because it's lacking so tremendously that they. I need to be in these rooms more so than, oh man, I'm entering a space that just doesn't look like me and this is their space and their territory and they run it and they own it and such a high percentage of them is here and such a low percentage of me is here. I don't enter these spaces with that mentality because that's just stressful, <laughs> quite frankly. Like, And because I like my work, I don't want to operate under that kind of stress, especially regarding work that I like to do. So I more so operate like, hey, man, I'm needed here. Like, y'all need me more than I need y'all because... There's going to be, again, such a lack of trust and such a disconnect that there are certain things that I'm able to have access to that none of y'all will ever have access to because some of the things that y'all want to access, you just won't be allowed to because... The trust ain't gonna be there. Or you might even be uncomfortable in some of these circumstances, and you wouldn't put your place in put yourself in position to have to go cover certain subjects because you got to get real uncomfortable to be able to go and do so. There's some that's bold enough to go out there and do that. I'm not saying that that that's for that stands for all in the journalism industry, but it definitely stands for some. So again, man, I I think that was very vital. Um, that Kev on stage came out with that skit, with that monologue, if you will, um, and, and sort of exposed that. And again, the dude that I know that works for that platform, cool guy from the interactions that I've had with him. Um, but I would tell him to his face. <laughs> I'm more so fighting the fight that Kev on stage alluded to. than I am concerned about like he and I's relationship. Cause I don't know him that well, um, but From the interactions that I've had from them, they've been cool. They've been great. But he also definitely seems to be more business and content minded, if you will, than he is truly invested in our culture and what it is that our culture stands for. And I could be even wrong about that. I'm only basing this off... Very minimal conversations that I've had with him. It's been just a few. And I don't know him well enough and his background well enough to know extensively how ingrained in the culture he is and, and how interested and invested in the culture he is. But I have certainly been able to come away with, oh, this dude means business. And that comes first for him. And everything else comes after. And I'm not saying that's a bad trait to have, but I'm also saying that it's the same trait all them other white dudes that Kev on stage was talking about has as well. They care about the business and the partnerships and the content more so than they care about the actual truth in some ways, or the demise or the 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 the, the, the information that's being put out there that may not necessarily be the correct information, but because they can get a little bag off of it, oh, well, we're going to let it fly. (laughs) Like, I just got that sense a little bit. So shout out to Kev on stage. Um, But, and then also shout out to Jamie Foxx. Hope hope your recovery continues to go well. Glad to hear you're not in the hospital. Glad to hear that you've been having family by your side. Glad your family has been able to speak out when they feel the need to speak out because quite frankly, it isn't our business. Even though it may feel like it because Jamie Foxx is the public figure that he is. Like their family has the right to Dribble out information at the pace that they see fit for us, um, but I'm just glad that he's got his family by his side. Obviously, uh, um, during this time period of as he navigates his health situation, and, and our well wishes are going to continue to go from go towards him, and we're sending him his direction and his family directions, the family's direction every opportunity and chance that we get. Um, lastly, I'm gonna close out NBA playoffs. One O Nuggets. One oh Heat, and hey, what can I say? I mean, I said what I said in the Sun series about Joker. Um, I do think that the Lakers made some pretty significant just, adjustments in that game, and I talked about how well that they made in-game adjustments. Even though they lost game one, they got down 20-plus points, but they were able to bring it back to where it was a nail-biter, essentially, at, late in that game um but you know Joker man he's that dude the dude damn near had 20 and 20 in the first half like he is playing like the best player in basketball right now and that team is obviously deep that team is healthy that team is hungry and the Lakers got their hands full with him. but I, I I do think that there were some good takeaways from the Lakers is again they started off getting crushed they started to figure some things out they made some adjustments as we've seen them doing this postseason and they had a chance at victory quite frankly just couldn't get it done i think they just dug a bit too deep of a hole for themselves in that particular game but you got game two coming up we'll see what they'll be able to do in that and also you know in the case of the celtics don't sleep on hemi butler man i mean hemi butler i don't think they are sleep on him either like They obviously have played against Hemi Butler in the bubble conference finals and Hemi Butler beat them then. They played against him in the conference finals a season ago and Hemi Butler took them to distance and now Hemi Butler already stole a win on the road in game one where it looked like Boston was in control but Hemi Butler was indeed him and brought his team back and led them to victory. So I'm excited to see what happens in both of these series. I think they'll both be really good competitive series that will be no less than six games in either of those series. Um, but we'll see how things go going forward. And so, uh, on that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go in.